KMTT, the weekly share on Agadot Chelek. This is Ezra Beck. Last week, we saw uh, three uh, Agadot, three Mamarei Chazal, which connected Shira to Tchiyat HaMetim. And I explained, I attempted to explain the connection, the special connection uh, between Shira and a future life. I repeat just the main point that Shiva represents the unique reaction to a unique second, to this particular time, as opposed to, and I mentioned the opposition then, the opposing concept is Torah. Where Torah is eternity, the unchanging truth. Shiva is another kind of truth. It's the truth which in another second won't be true anymore. It's the proper and correct and significant reaction to, to grab the second, to understand what happened at this particular moment. And then I explained that, therefore, Kolomer Shira Bodam Azeh, the last Mamar of Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi, Kolomer Shira Bodam Azeh, Zochei Bimwa Lod Mabash, Nehemar Ashrei Yoshevei Veitecha, Aod Yaladucha Sada, he who says Shira in this world will say the next world, because a person who, 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 that's what he accomplished, that was his, that was his specialty, so to speak. A person who was able to say Shira in his lifetime, meaning he, he grasped the uniqueness of a particular moment. So another moment, a different moment, demands, deserves that he should react to it. He's not doing the same thing. He might say the same words. Maybe his Shiva doesn't have that different words. But when he reacts to Binyan Beit HaMikdash, when he reacts to Tahiyat HaMikdash, when he reacts to some future event, that's a reaction which no one else has done before. Only he could do it as he grasped it then. He's able to do that. And therefore, his previous life, the fact that he lived 70 years, 80 years, 120 years, is irrelevant because this second is a new second and this second calls out for him to react to it. Um, there is, There was one more ma'amar about Shira in, uh, in this Gemara and uh, we'll read it now before we get to the ma'amarim which come afterwards which deal with the opposite conception, which deal with Torah. Amar Rabbi Chia Bar Abba the usual uh, opening line, and it's the same kind of proof as we saw in the last few lines. Where do we know from the Torah that it's something will take place. And again, this is a Pasuk of, of Shira, so it's similar to the other ones. Kol Nasukol, Yachtav, together they will, they will sing. What's interesting is the continuation. The same person, but the same pasuk. He interprets as follows: Kol Sofaich, the voice of Sofaich, those who see. He interprets that to mean the Vim, the prophets. Nasu Kol, they uh, had a voice. They 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 uh, began to speak. Yachtav Yiraneinu, together they will sing. So the they will sing has already been interpreted to mean Tchatamitim, to be the future. And he puts that now, it says, Yachtav, they will sing together. So the Chidush is, Kol Anviim Kulan Omrim Shira B'Kol Echad. 
what's the point? All right, I mean, so I'll say it. What does that mean? They'll be in the same tone. They'll, uh, they will be in different keys. So I think the answer, based on what we, what we understood, Shiva, is obvious. And it's a very big chidush, what will take place in the future world. Such, it, it's such a striking chidush that you have to wonder how it's possible. I explain that Shira is the response to a unique, singular moment in history. By the same token, it's the unique response to a singular moment, unique moment in history. In other words, it's your unique response. Because we're not dealing with what color is the wall. We're not dealing with eternal truths. If the truth is truly eternal, then those who perceive it should perceive it the same way. Because they're perceiving something which is objectively true. But if we're dealing with what is the significance of this particular second, then its significance for me is not the same as its significance for you. Which is why, of course, Shira is intensely personal. It's my reaction, my truth reaction, but my truth to myself, my subjective reaction of truth to this particular moment. And therefore, in the normal course of events, everyone says a different Shira. Or to put it in another way, Shira has the name of the individual stamped on it. I say that because I expect a question from what I just said. Everyone says their own Shira. Then why does it say, As Hashem Moshe, Uvenei Yisrael? The entire Jewish people said Shira, the Kriyat Yamsuf. And they said the following Shira. Shira Hashem Ki Gaog Asus Verochbo Ramavayam. But the answer is that it doesn't say, Az Yashiru Yisrael. It says, Az Yashir Moshe Uvenei Yisrael. It was Moshe's song. It's Shirat Moshe. Shirat Hayam is Shirat Moshe. And Bnei Yisrael joined him. Later on it says, Vatasha Miriam. The same words, by the way, as Moshe. But then it was her song. And so, the Jewish people adopted the words and perhaps they didn't really get to the level of it being their personal, being their personal song. Shira is unique, not just to the second, to the moment, but also to the individual. And therefore, it is in fact astonishing that Atidin, at, at the future, the time of God's revelation, at the end of time, then will take place something which will truly be momentous. Apparently, the I'm just trying to understand how it could be true. The disclosure, the revelation will be so clear that there will be some form of unity of response. It's still Shira. On the contrary, it's the finest Shira. It was called, according to Chazal, not Shir Chadash, but Shira Chadasha. But nonetheless, it will be Yachtab. It will be together. That will be something which is hard to even imagine in the Shira of this world. But it will take place in the Shira of the next world. That's the that's the specialness of this Pasuk, called Safayach Masukon, Yachtab Yiraneinu. Okay, that's what we have to say about Shira. Now the Gemara does a sudden turn to talk not about Tchiyat Amitim, at least not yet, and not about Shira, but about a particular problem of Torah. And we'll explain why this appears here. But first let's read the Ma'amar. Amar Rav Yehuda Amar Rav. <coughs> Excuse me. 
כל המוני ההלכה מפי תלמיד, כאילו גוזלו מן החלת אבותיו. He who refrains, he holds back הלכה from his student. Words, he doesn't teach a student a certain halacha which he knows. It is as though he was stealing from him the inheritance of his fathers. Shenemar Torah Siva Lanu Moshe Morasha Kihilat Yaakov. Moshe taught us Torah Morasha Kihilat Yaakov. Morasha means an inheritance. Yerusha Morashahi Lechol Yisrael Misheshet Yemei Barishit. From this, the Gemara derives a very important principle that the Torah belongs to Amisa. The entire Torah belongs to the entire Amisa. From when? Even before the giving of the Torah. Because this Pasuk is describing the giving of the Torah. Torah Tzivadana Moshe. It's Pasuk in the end of Tvarim, in Pazot Abracha. Hashem is Sinai Ba. Zarach Mitzi Olamo. Torah Tzivadana Moshe. But it was a Morashe. He taught us the Torah today. It was an inheritance from, of, an inheritance of Kilat Yaakov. So someone who doesn't teach his Talmud, his student, his disciple, a given piece of Torah, is stealing, is preventing him from getting, therefore stealing, a inheritance of his fathers. You have to first understand the situation. The Torah is talking about its own times. Most of a person's Torah could be achieved only from another teacher. Remember, there was no Torah Shab- there was Torah Shabbat. Most of Torah Shabbat Peh was not written down. The only way you could learn Halachot was from a teacher. There are no books. So a student is totally dependent on his teacher. A teacher who doesn't teach, and therefore the student doesn't know something, has in effect stolen what already belongs to that student, because, What is the connection between this and the previous topic? What is the meaning of this mama? So it's what I've already explained. As opposed to shira, which is the unique reaction to this second, Torah is netzach, Torah is eternity. Pasuk points out that this eternity belongs to Amisa. So therefore, imagine a certain fields, a certain kinds of teaching, where a teacher, you know, today you can sort of see this in as, as, as an educational method sometimes. You don't feed the student the answer. You don't tell him the answer. Wait for him to discover the answer. It's, it's a wonderful educational method. We, we all do it. But what this mama is saying is, you know, to tell the student, find your own answer, that's okay for shira. Because you'll find the truth of yourself. But here we're talking about the eternal truth. And if the teacher doesn't teach it to the student, the student won't know it. He can't make it up himself. If it comes out of his own heart, I'm not saying it's not true. It's a different kind of truth. That's the truth of shira. But first and foremost, Torah is, first of all, there's also yesh chidush Torah. But first of all, Torah is knowing the facts. And that is totally objective and it doesn't come from finding it on your own. It's created by the chain of Torah Shabbat The oral Torah is that Torah which is created by maintaining an unbroken chain of student to teacher back to Hasinai. And therefore, if you don't teach, if you don't pass it all on to your students, therefore the student knows less than you, you haven't failed to teach him. You've stolen from him. Because the truth is the truth. It belongs to him. But he can only get that which belongs to him through you. If you think about it, this creates a really unique understanding 
of the relationship of Amisot to Torah, because there's there's a practical contradiction here. On the one hand, the Torah belongs to every Jew. On the other hand, there's no way to know it if someone else doesn't teach it to you. It's not like inheriting a book, which then I can read on my own. You've inherited Torah in principle. But to actually get it, someone has to give you the key and the combination. And in fact, he has to hand over to you that which is yours. So, you are totally dependent on someone else to get that which is yours. I leave it to the uh, listener to really work out at least some of the implications of such a situation. It's a very unusual situation. That which is my inheritance of my father's belongs to me. If you took it from me, you're a gazlan. You're a rabba. But, I can only actually get it. I can only uh, benefit. I can only fulfill and get the benefits of my ownership if someone else passes it on. I'm, I, I, I have to inject myself into this chain of student, teacher, 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 back to Moshe Rabbeinu Bahasinai. Can't help but remember the Gemara in Nida, Taflamid, which describes how everybody who's learning Torah has already learned it in the past. You learned it as a, before you were born. Gemara describes how in the womb, a child is sitting learning Torah with an angel comes to get the same basic idea that Torah you're, you're, you're refinding Torah you're not discovering Torah you're discovering that which you already own here the Gemara says you don't own it because of a pre-embryonic experience you own it because it belongs to Am Yisrael in a general sense and the Gemara continues the same situation. He who holds back teaching a law to his Talmud. Very strange uh, uh, line. He who doesn't teach his disciple a given halacha, even the embryos in the intestines of their mothers curse him. Unborn embryos curse he who holds back the Torah and doesn't doesn't pass it on, doesn't teach it to others. Shenemar, Mishlei, the 11th chapter, Moneya bar yikavuhu le'om. Literally, Pshat, the Pasuk says, he who hoards grain will be uh, cursed by the nation. But, the Jewish is different. Ein la'om ella ubarin. La'om doesn't mean the nation, it means embryo. Shenema'u la'om mila'om ye'ematz. Speaking of, this is Pashat HaShavua. Speaking in Pashat Todot of Rivka, who was pregnant with Yaakov Esav, la'om mila'om ye'ematz. So we understand that means, it's a future, it's a future prophecy. Eventually, the nation which will arise out of Yaakov will wrestle with the nation that will uh, contend with the nation which will rise out of Esav. But, you know, the Pasuk doesn't seem to be speaking about future policy, a future uh, a prophecy, so the Jewish understands as being these two embryos will 
contend with each other, and therefore we see that a uba is called a la'om. Ve'en kavo ela klala, which actually is prat. The word yikavuhu la'om, yikavu slicha, yikavuhu la'om means they will be cursed. Shenema ma ekov lo kavakel. Pasuk by Bil'am. Ve'en bar, this is the essence of the drush, he who hoards, bar means grain. Ain bar ela Torah. Bar is not grain, but Torah. Shinemar nashkol bar penye enaf. Okay, so understanding uh, the, the details of the limud is one thing, but what does it mean? Why is someone who doesn't teach Torah, doesn't teach a halacha to his student, why is he cursed by unborn embryos? The answer is obvious. Because our ability to know Torah is totally dependent on the chain of transmission. So the future embryos, if, if it would become a norm that you learn Torah but don't teach Torah, then the future generations will be completely disinherited. These unborn embryos, their only chance of achieving, of acquiring the inheritance of their fathers is if they'll be taught by teachers. They can't do it on their own. They can't just sit back in a chair and make it up. It's not, in this sense, the sense we're speaking now, it's not a creative thing. You have a very passionate soul, you'll write a poem. You have a very intelligent, passionate soul, you'll make up Torah. It doesn't work that way. You have to be connected, ish mi piish, disciple to master, student to teacher, back to the Torah Baha Sinai. So who then implicates, who then casts the curse and he who doesn't teach Torah, specifically the future generations, unborn embryos are the ones who are being threatened by your activity, and therefore they're the ones who curse you. Ula bar Yishmael similar. Not that he will be cursed by unborn embryos, but menakvin oto kichvara. The word yikavuhu doesn't mean to curse, it means to uh, pierce. The word nekev. Yikavuhu, they will pierce him like a sieve. Ketiv hacha yikavuhu la'om, v'ketiv hatam v'yikov chol b'dalto. In the same chapter in Mishlei, different pasuk, it says v'yikov chol b'dalto. He will uh, drill a hole in the, de- in the, in the door. V'yikov is to make a hole. So Yikavu Le'om means they will pierce him like a sieve. It could be he means that the unborn embryos will pierce him. That's really hard to imagine. He seems to be ignoring the word Le'om. Maybe it means the people. Speaking in the passive, the man will be pierced. This man who doesn't teach Torah will be pierced like a sieve. What does that mean? Sieve is a very interesting utensil. Standard utensil, Kli, in Chazam, is... A, um, it's like a pot, something which holds something. For instance, in the laws of Tumavatara, something called Tumat Kedim, a utensil can become Tameh. If it's broken, it's no longer a utensil. How do you break a clay? You make a hole in it. Because the purpose of a utensil is to hold things, liquids. Can have even a small hole? Solids, you can have a small hole. If you're holding, uh, I'm giving an example that's given in the Mishnah. If you have a basket which holds pomegranates, so it can have smalls, but not big holes. But to make a hole in a utensil is, is basically to break it. It's to, 
It's to annul its function. On the other hand, the sieve is a particular unusual kind of utensil in which the holes are essential. It holds back something and passes something else. Generally speaking, it holds back the psolet, it holds back the dross, and lets the the wine, now cleansed of the impurities, pass through. So this is a very appropriate punishment for he who holds back Torah. He's trying to hold it all in. He doesn't want to let anything out. Some sort, some form of intellectual selfishness. He doesn't want to share that which he received from his teachers with his uh, prospective students. As Yikavu Kifkara, he will be drilled full of holes, as they used to say in the uh, in the westerns, in the movies. He would be drilled full of holes. You can't. It, it won't. He won't be allowed to keep it back because he tried to hold everything in, so he will lose everything. In fact, we think about the simile. It's even worse than that because the sieve does hold some things back. It holds back the impurities. It holds back the garbage. It holds back the dross and allows only the good stuff to run on. So therefore, Yikavuhu Laom, he will be, he'll be punished physically, he'll be, he'll be killed. But it's a kind of punishment which symbolizes Midah, Keneged Midah, important principle which happens to have been the opening principle of our parak, of our chapter. He who denies the future world will not merit the future world. The Torah explains, Midah, Keneged Midah, to make the punishment fit the crime. He who selfishly does not want to pass on that which he has received from outside to the next generation, so he will be uh, pierced like a sieve. The imlindo mascharo. On the other hand, if he is a good teacher, he does pass on. He does accept his obligation to be the crucial link in the chain of transmission. So, what is his reward? Amarav amarav sheishet zocheh librachot ki Yosef. Very general answer, but we have very very specific answers as to the curse. But it's a very general answer. He will get brachot like Yosef. Because Yosef apparently got a lot of brachot. Shenemar, again, it's the pasuk before Mishle Yudalev, before the pasuk of Munei Abar, Yikvuhu Laom, is this pasuk. Uvaracha, Lerosh Mashbir. Ve'en Mashbir ele Yosef, Shenemar v'Yosef hu ha-shalit al-aretz, hu ha-mashbir l'chol am-aretz. I'm sorry, it's not the previous book. It's the Keturash of the same pasuk. Munei Abar, he who holds back the grain will be cursed. Ubracha l'rosh mashbir. A mashbir is somebody who provides food for others. As is said by Yosef, when Yosef became the head of the uh, distribution system of the land of Egypt, Yosef, who a shalit ala'at, he is the ruler of the land, who a mashbir l'chol amaret. He provides shever, he provides uh, sustenance for all the people. As bracha l'rosh mashbir. So, in this context it says, Baracha Rosh Mashbir means you will get a Baracha like the Mashbir. The Mashbir is Yosef. And he who teaches will get a Baracha like Yosef. So I'm wondering to myself, what does that mean? Like, what is the reference? What is the Baracha of Yosef? And why is that the appropriate Baracha? I mean, it could be Yosef got a lot of Barachot. But why specifically is he who teaches others rewarded, blessed like Yosef? In Pashat Vayichi, there are two brachot for Yosef. One is what all the brothers get. Individual brachot, he gets one too. There's also a special bracha. I think here the reference is to the special bracha. 
the Bachan, the beginning of Pashat Vayichi. Now, it's hard to remember. I think most of us, I, if you were, if I could hear your answers, I would ask just to see if you fall into the trap. Most people would say the Pasuk we're about to mention is not a Bachat for Yosef. I think the Bachat we're talking about is the Pasuk and I can hear the objection from my virtual audience. That's not a bracha for Yosef. That's a bracha of Ephraim and Menasheh. But that's not what the Pasuk says. The bracha of Ephraim and Menasheh comes later on in the pair. It says, Vayivarachem bayomo. He blessed them. Meaning, Ephraim and Menasheh. On that day, Leimor b'chai v'arech Yisrael. Leimor yisvacha lukim k'Ephraim v'arech Menasheh. The Pasuk that I just quoted, it says in the Pasuk, Bereshit, Perek Yudchet, Pasuk Tetvav, Perek Memchet, Pasuk Tetvav, 48.15, that Yaakov, Vayivarech et Yosef, Vayomar. Yaakov blessed Yosef and said, Elohim asher hitallachu avotai zifanav Avraham v'yitzchak. Elohim aroeh oti me'odi ad ayom hazeh. המלאך הגורל אותי מכל רע יברך את הנערים ויקרא בהם שמי בשם אבותי אברהם ויצחק וידגו לאהוב בקרב הארץ. What was the bracha that was given to Yosef? I imagine some people who wouldn't see that as a bracha. Give me a bracha. I want money. I want happiness. The bracha that was given to Yosef is that his children his children would be connected to his father. Remember the background here. Yaakov Avinu there were these two kids who were born in Egypt when Yaakov Avinu was still living in Canaan. They're sort of Egyptian children. They're an Egyptian mother. They were brought up in Egypt, outside of the family. And Yaakov is basically adopting them and saying, they should bear my name as well. They're Jews. They're the continuation of Abraham Yitzchak. The God who blessed Abraham and Yitzchak. The God who Abraham Yitzchak served. The Malach who took care of me in my life. Yivarech et, not you, but your children. They should also be called Dene Abraham. Yitzchak v'Yakov, what was Yaakov doing? He was creating the link of the generations, but three generations. V'chuta mishulash, lo b'mera yinatek. The triple, the triple strand does not break. Hurei vanim levanecha shalom ha'Yisrael. The true measure of the continuation is not from father to son or from teacher to student. It requires another generation to become a, 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 to become a flow, to become something which is more than momentary. When you've reached Bineivanim, Talmidei Talmidem, then you know that your, your process is permanent. Yaakov Avinu here creates that link, specifically with the children of Yosef, and that's Birkat Yosef, because Yosef is one in the middle. That gives a bracha to Yosef because he is the crucial link between the past, Yosef as the present. Yosef as the present is mevorach because 
He used the link between the past, Avraham, Yitzchak, who are dead, and Yaakov, and Ephraim and Asher, who are the future, who are the young children. So he who fulfills his obligation, accepts his responsibility, and teaches that which he knows, and passes it on, he will get brachot like Yosef, who is, who hamashbir l'chol ama'aretz. Yosef was the provider. He's the greatest case of someone who gives to others. But in the context, we're not really interested in what he gave to the Egyptian people. We're interested in his role as the link between the fathers and the children, the grandfathers and the grandchildren. And that is the bracha, bracha the that you'll succeed in that. He who teaches the, his ultimate bracha, it's not that he gets a uh, candy bars. His ultimate bracha is that he achieves, he becomes the link in the eternal chain stretching from Har Sinai to the end of to the end of days. One more ma'amar about Torah, which comes to to complement, to complete, and to make sure we don't misunderstand. Amar Rav Sheshet, Kol Melamei Torah Ba'olam Hazeh Zocheh Umelamdal Olam Abba Shenemar Umarveh Gamhu Yoreh Also Mishle Yudalaf. This is a Ma'amar which exactly parallels Kol we read last week Kol Omer Shira Ba'olam Hazeh Zocheh Bi'omra Lulam Abba He who sings Shira in this world will sing Shira in the next world. Kol melamei Torah b'olam hazeh zocheh u'melamda b'olam haba. This comes to correct what I said. I said that Shira is especially connected to Olam Haba because Shira is the second. And therefore the second of Olam Haba, the second of resurrection requires a new response. But Torah is Netzach. So he who learns Torah, he achieved Netzach. He grasped the eternal truth in his 70, 80 years. There's nothing more for him to do. There's nothing new for him to do. He's got it all, if he got it all. So learning Torah does not guarantee, all mitzvot give you a lama but there's a special connection between learning Torah. You don't need more years because you've grasped the truth and it hasn't changed. Whereas Shiva, every second is going to change. Therefore, you have to come back. So comes of Shesh and corrects it. You shouldn't be disappointed if you're not the poet. You're the Lomei Torah, using the terms I used last week. If you're not David, you're Moshe, you're not Ne'im Zmerot Yisrael, but you're Moshe Rabbeinu, you also have a connection to Elam Abba, because Kolam Alamei Torah Bolam Azeh, Zochev Olamda Lolam Abba. But notice, first, what's the Pasuk? Shinemar, Umarveh Gamhu Yoreh. Two explanations in Rashi, could be Marveh means like Yoreh, he who teaches in the um, positive sense, he'll teach more. Uh, first part of Rashi, I think, is interesting. Marve from the sense of, um, like he waters, he refreshes. He, he, he fills him up, as one fills up a, 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 a trough of water. He who provides the water for the kli, as who yoreh, play on words, he will teach Torah, but olam haba. 
I think we should notice it doesn't say Kol Alomei Torah Olam Hazeh Zochev Alomei Torah Olam Haba He who learns Torah in this world will learn Torah in the next world It says He who teaches Torah in this world will teach Torah in the next world So what Oshesha has really pointed out is that there's an aspect of Torah which is similar to similar to Shira It's not that you learn a lot of Torah and if you deserve to be an Olam Haba but if you've done what we just described, if you've put yourself into the eternal chain, you taught the next generation Torah, then you become part of that chain, and the meaning of the chain is the eternity of it. The next generation and the following generation. Ephraim and Hashem be the name of not just Yosef, but also Yaakov, not just Yaakov, but also Yitzchak, but also Abraham. Once you become part of the chain of passing on Torah, then you also have a role to play in the thousandth generation from now. If you only learn Torah for yourself, then there's no special connection between you and the future. He who teaches Torah, it's not the pshat that I said that the Torah is unique. No, Torah is never unique. Shira is unique. But he who teaches Torah, he will be in Olam Abba for a different reason. He will teach Torah al because he's accepted responsibility for the future. The future has no end. If you're responsible for the near future, then you're responsible for the distant future, for the future future, for the end of day's future as well. Okay, that's it for today. We finished the, the section of Shira and the section of Torah. Uh, we'll get back to Shira in a few more, well, quite a few more pages if we keep going long enough. But right now the Gemara will go on to a different aspect of Tchiat Amitim, and we'll be doing that next week. Kol Tov.